The following lecture was delivered at the 12th Annual National Jewish Retreat in Palm Desert, California, a project of the Roar Jewish Learning Institute. We hope you enjoy the lecture, and we encourage you to visit jretreat.com for information on upcoming retreats. Rabbi David Aaron will now present his lecture, Torah's Secret to Joy and Great Self-Worth. We're going to talk about Torah's Secrets to Joy and Self-Worth. You're probably familiar with a very classic um, joke from Groucho Marx. I would never join a club that would have me as a member. Any club that would have me as a member is surely not worth joining, right? And that joke became actually a, a more modern version of the joke was Woody Allen, who said, I would never date a woman that would date me. Any woman willing to date me is not worth dating. So I want to talk about, and literally, this is probably one of the most important things we could talk about. Because I want to talk about the secret to everything in your life. I know that sounds like a really big promise, but that's what I want to talk about. The secret to everything in your life. Success in every way, happiness, love, parenthood, you name it. This is the secret to everything in your life. And what is that? It's feeling good about yourself. Right? When you feel good about yourself, then everything will flow from there. And if you don't feel good about yourself, everything will fall from there. We all know the golden rule of the Torah. Love your neighbor as yourself. But a lot of people don't realize that that's predicated on loving yourself. Because I know some people, and I bet you do too, that I would prefer them not to love me the way they love themselves. Love me a little better than that. Maybe even a lot better than that. And yet, sadly enough, the feeling of, of self-worth is so challenged. And I've never met anybody, not that I've met everybody, but anybody ever met, everybody that I've met is challenged with their self-worth. Right? Why? Well, by definition, we are born into a world that challenges our self-worth. We are children, and our parents are always right and always smart and get it all worked out. And then on top of that, if they start criticizing us, then it gets even worse. You know, do this, you didn't do that, you know? And so we're already being raised in an environment that is challenging how we feel about ourselves. And you find joy when you feel good about yourself, right? And I've been involved with a lot of marriage counseling, not that it's what I look to do, but as a rabbi, everybody assumes that you know everything. In my case, that's true, but in other rabbis, I wouldn't suggest that, right? But a lot of people turn to me, and very often, I find that the marital problems are not that they have a bad marriage, they just don't feel good about themselves, right? So two people that don't feel good about themselves don't make a good marriage. And very often, it's not about how we connect, it's how I connect with myself, and finally feel good about myself. A good friend of mine pointed out something really amazing. What is the culture of going to five-star hotels, right? You know, you can get a nice hotel somewhere, eh, three stars, clean, whatever, but there's, this, there's a culture to going to a luxurious hotel. And basically the research is that people feel better about themselves when they're here, you know? When you're in a place like this and everybody's so nice to you, then you start to think, hey, maybe I'm really five-star. You know, I mean, if I'm in a five-star hotel, you know, then, you know, so then maybe I'm five-star. 
So what we, honest, what we actually do is we try to put ourselves into environments that will help us feel good about ourselves. The question is, does that really last, right? Does that really last? So what I want to talk about, which is the most important thing I think we all struggle with, right, is what is the secret to unconditional self-worth? Because that will be the secret to your happiness. That will be the secret to everything in your life is unconditional self-worth. And whether people are aware of the fact that they're asking that question or not, we are all asking that question. And so much of our life is being driven by just wanting to feel good about ourselves. So what I want to start this morning off with is in the last two years, I started getting involved with writing and producing animations, finding ways to kind of spread Jewish ideas in you know, new ways and ways that would maybe compete a little bit with what others are watching on YouTube or whatever. And I'm going to show with you, I, I thank God I've already produced over 50 uh, short animations. I'm going to share with you one right now, which deals with the very issue of who are we, what is the source of genuine self-worth. It's just a two and a half minute, maybe three minute animation, but I'll just give you an introduction to the animation. The animation is two drops in the ocean having a discussion, right? Seymour and Gil. Seymour's girlfriend, Bubbles, just dumped Seymour. And he's crushed. And the reason why she dumped him is because he doesn't believe in the ocean. And she's gone off the deep end, right? And so this is about Seymour and Gil trying to deal with Seymour's issues with his belief in the ocean. So we're going to show that right now. Whoa, Seymour. You look like you've been hit by a tidal wave. My love life's a total wash. What happened? Bubbles dumped me. No way. What'd she say? So we're enjoying a couple drinks at the sandbar. Out of the blue, she says, we need to end this watered-down relationship. Wow. It gets worse. She then says I'm shallow and not capable of true love. Why? Because I don't believe in the ocean. She's gone off the deep end. Uh, Seymour, you don't believe in the ocean? Nope. Why? Show me the ocean and I'll believe. You can't see the ocean. Why? Because he's too far, someone somewhere in heaven, right? No, because he's too close. Huh? The ocean's not someone somewhere. He's the one everywhere. Everywhere? Then we'd be in him, and he'd be in us. We are in him, and he is in us. There's really nothing but the ocean. We're nothing? No, we're drops. We're drops in the ocean? Oh, how depressing. No, it's pure joy. There's no greater feeling than feeling part of the greater. Float that one by me again. Seymour, the ocean is one. There is none but the one. And you are someone. Some of the one. You're a part of him. Gil, you're either brainwashed or drunk. I am drunk. I'm drunk with love. I cannot but love the ocean. And I cannot but love everyone down to the last drop. Because we are one with him and 
one with each other through him. Whoa! You mean only in and through the ocean can we drops share one single greater self? Exactly! And that's the miracle and joy of true love. Gil, you're blowing me out of the water! I love you! Quick, let's go find Bubbles. This reminds me of that song, Love is in the Air. What's air? Okay, we're gonna, you have your source sheet. We're gonna go through the script, not the whole script. We're gonna cut out the capitalistic meaning behind the jokes. We'll go straight to the uh, other stuff. It's called Dropout. It's on YouTube, by the way, my animations, if you go to my YouTube channel, Rabbi David Aaron, also you can find it on my website, rabbidavidaaron.com. I've got lots of animations, this is just one of them. And uh, we're going to go into the meat of the, the, the conversation over here. To understand who are we, who is Hashem, and why is our connection to Hashem the secret to our self-worth? Because the secret to self-worth is when you feel that connection to Hashem. That's the secret to self-worth. And how do you do that? And how you do that is not just trying to put Hashem into your life, God into your life. It's by putting your life into God. And that's what we're going to look at right now. So Gil over here says on page two over here, Gil says, Seymour, you don't believe in the ocean. Seymour says, nope. Why? Show me the ocean and I'll believe. How many people will say, show me God, and I'll believe, right? That's because they have this childish understanding that if there is a God, then he must be somewhere, somewhere far away, over there, right? On, in some place called heaven, looking down at us, maybe with a remote control, controlling us. And that is not the Jewish understanding of God. The Jewish understanding of Hashem, as I mentioned last night, the Yud, the He, the Vav, the He, is that Hashem is existence. Hashem is like the ocean. And you and I are drops in the ocean. And where is Hashem not? We are within Him. He is within us. There's really nothing but Hashem. Not that I'm Hashem. Not that the drop is the ocean. But the drop is a part of the ocean. The drop exists within the ocean. There's really nothing but the ocean. And so, so, so Seymour is saying, show me the ocean, I'll believe. So Gil says to him, you can't see the ocean. He says, why not? He says, because he's so too far, right? Somewhere in heaven, right? And that's most people's understanding of God. Someone somewhere in heaven. And so I mentioned last night, atheists are right when they say there is no such being in existence. They're right. God is not there. God is not, Hashem is not a being, and He's not in existence. Hashem is existence, and infinitely more than that. Right? So, Seymour has this childish image of, so to speak, the ocean. The ocean is some big drop, an overwhelming, overbearing big drop over top of Him. Right? You can see Him on the bottom over there, the two of them uh, underneath that big drop. So, He says, no, because He's too close. And so he says, the ocean's not someone somewhere, he's the one everywhere. Everywhere, then we'd be in him, and he'd be in us. That's what I don't understand. You see, people say, well, where is Hashem? Where is Hashem not? 
Where are you not seeing Hashem? Everywhere you turn, every event in your life, you are facing the presence of Hashem in your life. So he says, everywhere, then we'd be in Him, He'd be in us. We are in Him, and He is in us. It's really nothing but the ocean. We're nothing? He says, no, we're drops. He says, we're drops? How depressing. I'm a drop in the ocean? And he says, no, it's pure joy. There's no greater feeling than feeling part of the greater. Right? There's no greater feeling than feeling part of the greater. We are all seeking to feel part of the greater. If you want to feel great, be part of the great. See, most people are trying to feel good about themselves through ego tactics. Ego tactics is, I'm really great, and you crap my style, and I'm in competition, and I have to be a winner, and I have to be number one. That's not the Jewish way to feeling good about ourselves. We feel good about ourselves when we're part of a greater self. When we're sitting here at a conference and there'll be over a thousand Jewish people together learning Torah, we'll be sharing Shabbat together. That is so powerful that we are part of the greater. You feel great when you're part of the great. And that's really, you know, that's really the, um, the um, psychology behind products, right? Like I can get a shirt for, I don't know, some, a certain amount of money, but if I paid more, I get this little guy with a polo stick, right? And well, why? You don't understand. Why? It's a schmato like any other schmato. No, you don't understand, right? Here I'm part of El Schmato, right? Now I'm really part of something big, right? It's like the Apple store, you know? Apple buyers, they feel part of a community. They feel part of something greater. I know the Apple store on Broadway, it actually looks like a cathedral. It looks like a religious environment. It's this very high ceilings with this big apple in the middle of it. And there is this religious environment they're creating because people want to feel part of something greater than themselves. That's when you feel good. When you do good and you commit yourself to a cause greater than yourself, you feel great about yourself. Because you're part of that which is greater than yourself, right? But when people are trying to feel good about themselves because they've got more expensive clothing or a more expensive house or a more expensive car and they don't know why it's not working because it's reinforcing the ego's lie that I'm self-contained, self-sufficient, independent, set apart from all, and I'm special. And the way I become special is by being set apart from all. Well, Judaism says the way you feel special is by being a part of the all and committing yourself to the all and feeling part of the greater self, the greater reality, feeling part of God. That's why it says, Ahavta l'recha kamocha, love your neighbor as yourself. Most people don't remember the end of the Pasuk. The end of the verse is, Ki ani Hashem, because I am Hashem. And what does Hashem mean? I am all there ever was, is and ever will be. I am all being. I am existence. There is nothing but me. I'm the one. And you're someone. And this person next to you is someone. We're each some of that one. And therefore, how could you love your neighbor as yourself? Well, because you realize that we're all part of the one self. Each drop in the ocean, he says, I love every drop in the ocean because every drop in the ocean is a part of the one self that we all share, which is the ocean. 
And so he says, we're drops in the ocean. How depressing. He says, no, it's pure joy. There's no greater feeling than feeling part of the greater. The ocean is one. There's none but the one. That's what Torah teaches. There's nothing but you. There's nothing but Hashem. When we say the Shema, when we say Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokein, Hashem Echad, we're not saying, God, there is one God. Somewhere over there, there's one God in the category of gods. That's what I thought as a child. There's all these categories. There's human beings, there's furniture, there's insects. In those categories, there's a lot, especially in the insect one. But in the category of God, only one God gets into that category. You can't get into that category. Hashem is not in a category. Hashem is the category that all categories exist in the first place. So when we say that Hashem is one, we're not saying that there is one God. We are saying that Hashem is one. There's none but the one. It's not one God in the category of gods. There's just one. There is only one. Only one is real. And all of us, if, if Hashem were light, then each of us would be a different color in the spectrum of light. If Hashem was the ocean, each and every one of us would be a drop in the ocean. If Hashem were the sun, each and every one of us would be a ray of that sun. But when you love your neighbor as yourself, because I am Hashem, there's only one I am. There is only one self. There is only one. And we're all part of that one. Imagine, you know, these huge trees. And imagine a discussion of two leaves on the top of one of the trees, and there's thousands of leaves on this tree. And one leaf turns to the other one and says, I don't like you. You're green. Oh, yeah, who are you calling green? Right? And they don't realize, hey, you're all part of one self. You are all the unfolding one root. And so he says, there is none but the one, and you are someone. Some of the one, you're a part of him. Gil, you're either brainwashed or drunk. I am drunk. I am drunk with love. To truly believe in Hashem means you love. And if your belief in Hashem causes you to hate yourself or hate other people, you've got the wrong God. Right? That's why God has a bad rap. Because so many people would be murdered in the name of God. There's actually a book called In God's Name. And it's all about the record of how many people have been killed because of religion. Right? Because of religion. There was a book that came out when my first book came out. Called, uh, my first book was Endless Light. This book came out, was, was called God is Not Great. Right? How religion destroys everything in our lives. This is why we've lost so many people, because they've got the wrong God. It's a spiritual idol. It's some guy in the sky telling you what to do. He's got this big ego, and it's all about his power. But if Hashem to us is like an ocean to a drop, I find myself in Hashem, I'll find Hashem in me. Right? And I'll feel the shared presence of one self that embraces all of us and works through all of us. Friedrich Nietzsche was very famous for saying that God is dead. You probably heard that. I studied Friedrich Nietzsche in the public bathrooms of New York City. Because I walked into the public bathroom and there on the wall it said, God is dead, Nietzsche. And underneath that it said, Nietzsche is dead, God. Right? And that's what I studied. But, but most people don't know that although Nietzsche said God is dead, they don't know that he also said that unless you experience an infinite whole working through you, your life has no meaning. Who's he talking about? Who's this infinite whole? He's talking about Hashem. God is dead. If God is some guy in the sky telling me what to do, and he's got this ego problem and wants everybody to say, yes sir, yes sir, yes sir, and praise me all day long. Right? That's what, sadly enough, a lot of people think that's Hashem. But when you understand that Hashem is the great self, the ocean of all being, and we're all waves, we're all drops, and we're all connected.
That's a whole different experience. You cannot but love yourself and love everyone else when you realize that you're, so to speak, a drop of God. Right? So he says, I am drunk. I'm drunk with love. I cannot but love the ocean. I cannot but love everyone down to the last drop because we are one with him, one with each other through him. Right? One with each other through him. The name yud Hey vav Hey. The closest word that would really approximate the meaning of Hashem is love. Right. Love, true love. Where we love each other unconditionally because we are connected. How can my right hand not love my left hand? They're part of each other. We are part of each other. And who is uniting us all? The great self. The one reality. Hashem. Sasima says, whoa. You mean only in and through the ocean can we drop, share one single greater self? That's what we heard at Sinai. At Sinai, Hashem said, I am Elokecha. I am all there ever was, is, and ever will be. I am the source of your godliness. I am your inner, greater, yet hidden self. That's what Anochi Hashem Elokecha means. Okay? And the rest of Torah is to experience and realize that we all share one self, one reality, one being. I'm not you, you're not me, but we are one. And that's the amazing thing about the Jewish people, that we've got lots of differences, and we know that, right? You know, everybody knows the joke, two Jews, three opinions, right? Everybody knows the joke that they found this Jew on a desert island, and they say, well, you know, he's there for a number of months, How's it been over here? So it's actually pretty good. I have two synagogues here. Why are you on, a, you're on an island by yourself? You have two synagogues? What do you need two synagogues for? Well, every Jew needs two synagogues. One I go to, one I would never go to. Right? But these are jokes, but the truth is we are one. And we know we are one. And we are meant to be a model of how Jewish people who are capable of being very different and very much in conflict. I don't think there's any religion that one of its holiest books is conflict. The entire Gemara is the record of disputes, and this is holy. Dispute is holy. I'm not you, you're not me. We're different, but we're one because God is one, Hashem is one, and we are one with Him and one with each other through Him. And that's what he says exactly. That's the miracle and the true joy of love. What is the source of genuine self-worth? When you realize that you are a masterpiece, you are a piece of the master. And you want to feel, you want to be treated like you're someone. That's because you are someone. You are some of the one. Hashem is not someone. Hashem is the one. And we are all some of that one. And you've got to treat yourself that way. You have to, you have to act that way. You know, I work with teenagers a lot. My yeshiva deals with kids that are 18, 19. You know, and sadly enough, not in our yeshiva, thank God we don't have that problem, but you know, today in the world of teenagers, they're getting trashed, they're getting wasted. Do you realize the terminology, right? The whole terminology is realizing that when you get drunk, you're getting wasted, you're getting trashed. Why would you trash yourself? Only because you're acting out what you really feel about yourself inside, right? Even this whole culture, I'm not saying, uh, the, the, I'm not telling you not to dress this way, but I'm very disturbed by the culture of damaged jeans. They couldn't even come up with a better name for it. Couldn't you come up with something that sounded better than damaged jeans? 
Like, who is going to pay more money for jeans that are damaged, right? And the more damaged they are, right? And in my day, we used to wear worn-out jeans with patches. That was already like, wow. And I had these jeans that I, I, you don't buy them worn out. We had to wear them out on our own, right? And then we put our own patches on it. And I had these jeans when I was a kid. I was like a teenager. I was in yeshiva. I wore these jeans all the time. My Rosh Hashiva took me aside. I said, David, I want you to reconsider whether you really want to wear those jeans. I said, why? They're really great jeans. You know how long it took me to make these jeans? He said, David, just, I think you identify with those jeans. No, I've got other jeans. I've got Jewish jeans. No, no. All right? And I had a student in my program, Israelite, and she would wear, like, literally the most torn clothing. She had this one T-shirt that was literally a schmata. And we all know that's French design. Schmata. La schmate. Right? And I took her aside, and I generally don't do this. I'm not the kind of person that confronts people that much. I took her aside, and I said, you know, why do you wear that T-shirt every day? She says, what do you mean? What's wrong with it? I said, you know, forgive me for saying it, but it's a schmata. You know, it's a rag. Right? And I think you wear that because you identify with that. And by wearing that and identifying that, you're becoming that. You deserve better. Treat yourself better. You're created in the image of Hashem. You are no less than a manifestation of a unique individual manifestation of the one self, the one soul of the universe, Hashem. Right? And you should dress that way. You should treat yourself that way. And then other people will treat you that way too. Right? The next day, she came wearing armor. I'm just joking. She wasn't. <laughs> she said, I'm not a shmata. If you want to feel good about yourself, then treat yourself creating the image of God. I had one person that worked for me. She was a madricha. She came into my office. She was crying. We went on a, a, a tour, a trip. She said, nobody wanted to sit with me on the bus. Nobody wanted to sit next to me on the bus for the group. I said, do you want to sit next to yourself on the bus? She said, no. I said, so work on sitting your, next to yourself on the bus. Other people will sit next to you. But what's the secret to that? It's how you understand who are you? Who really are you? I can't even understand how anybody in this world can have any self-worth without a God. If you truly believe in the Big Bang, you are essentially saying that you are an accident. Right? So you wear these jeans, you know, on the plane, not this particular trip, but on a recent trip, next to me with this fellow, and he had tattoos all over his body. And he had a very big body. You know, he drank a lot of beer. So he had a lot of place to put tattoos on. Right? And his entire body was covered with skulls. Skulls. Are you crazy? You're putting tattoos of skulls? I mean, I put my mother, I'm just joking, right? Well, you put tattoos all over you? And the tattoos, look at what people are wearing. Why are they doing it? It is literally self-deprecating. Why would you have that on your body? Put cartoons on your body? Right? Put, put, I don't know, you know, some rock star on your body? Is he putting you on his body? Why are you doing that to yourself? We're acting out our low self-esteem. We're turning it into an ideal. Right? We're turning it into an ideal. If you believe that the Big Bang created you, then, then, then why should you feel good about yourself? Well, you, know, you believe that Hashem created us. And didn't simply create us, 
but we are an expression of Hashem. We exist within Him. We are channels and, and, and vehicles for the presence of Hashem in the world. How could you treat yourself different? That's what's so amazing about the Jewish people. We came to the world and said something that nobody believed. It's the most outrageous claim. You, yes, you are created in the image of God. You. Who said that to the world? We said that to the world. You know? And most people think that Judaism is about believing in God. That's only part of the story. It's really about believing in yourself. Because if you don't believe in yourself, you won't believe in God. And if you truly believe in Hashem, you will believe in yourself. And it's all connected. It's all connected. I want to take a look at some sources over here. Over on page three, six values of self-worth. The verse says in Deuteronomy, a part of God is his people. This isn't mysticism. These are not some obscure ideas from the Zohar. It's a pasuk. Ki Hashem amo. A part of Hashem is his people. You are literally a part of Hashem, as it says in value two from the Tanya. A person's soul is an actual part of God. Chelek eloka mamash. Literally you. Not you ego. You as soul. Or an actual part, so to speak, a part, a facet, an expression of God. Look at number three. This is from Rev. Cook. Faith is the most basic self-revealing of the essence of the soul. When you are in touch with yourself, you cannot but believe in God. You realize, I'm not trash. I'm not an accident. I'm not an evolved monkey. Look yourself in the mirror. You really think you're an evolved monkey? Right? You really think this is an accident? If I were to take my cell phone and throw it against the wall, would it smash into perfect form? Intelligent form? It's ridiculous. Why do people even think that way? Because it's how they feel about themselves. If you truly love yourself, you'll never allow yourself to believe that you're anything less than a perfect creation from a perfect creator. Right? With a purpose, with a meaning, with incredible value. So it says like this. So faith, how does one get faith? It's not by going to get some proof, right? You don't need proof. I know I exist. Nobody has to prove to me that I exist. I know that my existence is meaningful and valuable. I cannot but believe that in order to get out of bed in the morning. If I didn't believe that, I couldn't even get out of bed. And just knowing your value itself is testimony that you are part of the greater. And that's the meaning of being part of Hashem. Look at number value four. This is also from Rav Cook. A person suffers diminished faith and is far from supreme holiness because he, she is not able to raise his, herself, worth until it's established in his heart the great idea that he is worthy of divine greatness. You are worthy of divine greatness. Every single mitzvah, you have made us holy, you have made us godly, you have made us transcendental through your mitzvahs. That's what Judaism came to the world to do. To raise our self-worth, to enable us to know who we are and who we're a part of. Right? Number two there, Rav Cook. When we forget the essence of our soul itself, when we are distracted from introspection, from the content of inner life, everything becomes confused and doubtful. The beginning of repentance. What does it mean to do tshuva? What does it mean to repent? Which is, immediately illumines the darkness is that man returns himself. The first step to do tshuva is go back to yourself. 
Believe in yourself. Know that you're valuable. Know that you're important. Know that you're meaningful. You are godly. And he says like this, the root of his soul and he will at once return to God. When you come back to yourself and you realize, I cannot, I can't be an accident. This is ridiculous. I know I'm not an accident. I know that I am a manifestation of incredible wisdom and purpose. Look at number five. You can read the rest on your own. I must find happiness within myself, Ruff Cook says. Not from social acceptance, not from my career, not anything else. If you need something outside of yourself to make yourself feel good, then you don't really feel good about yourself. You, know, you really don't feel good about yourself. I met this multi-billionaire. You know, I met him for just a couple of minutes. I was hoping he'd be supportive of the things I was doing. We were walking to his limousine, and um, I said, you know, Mr. So-and-so, what an amazing life you live. Right? What's it feel like? The guy has a private jet. Right? After meeting me, he was going to meet with, with Yitzhak Rabin. And this was after he was dead. I'm just joking. And so he was meeting with Yitzhak Rabin. I said, what's your life like? He says, Rabbi, I'm lonely. I was shocked. He's never alone. I said, you're lonely? He said, Rabbi, I'm lonely. I know that if I were to lose all my money tomorrow, nobody would give me the time of day. This is a man who has confused his net worth with his self-worth, right? But self-worth is rooted in believing that Hashem is one, and there's none but the one, and you are someone, some of the one. And so is the person next to you, and we're all connected, and we all share one self, one soul, one Hashem. So I, find, I must find my happiness within myself, not from social acceptance, not from my career, nor anything else. The more I will know myself, the more I will allow myself to be original and stand on my own with an inner awareness combined with knowledge, emotion, poetry, the more the light of God will enlighten me. If you want God in your life, then you've got to be in your life. Get into your life. Live your life. Be you. And the more my strengths will evolve to become a blessing to me and the world. As long as we think that God is a particular being, some super being somewhere over there, well, why would he be interested in us? Right? But when we understand that Hashem is not in existence, Hashem is existence, and there's nothing but Hashem, and that we are drops in the ocean of his being, let's look at the last source here. Five, six. It's in Hebrew. Kichelik Hashem Amo. The verse says a part of Hashem is his people. So this is from Rav Sheptel ben Levi Horowitz, which is a, a sefer, a chassidic sefer called Shefetal. Right? He says like this, Rotzelomar, that means, Chelik mamash, you are literally a part. Shenichlach me'ezid devar, like a part that's being taken off of something. Shavev domebe no lo'oto devar. Just as if I take a piece of pie from a pie, then the piece of pie is also apple pie. It's just a piece of apple pie. There is no difference in essence between the piece of the rock and the rock itself. Rather, the rock is the whole, and then the piece of the rock is a piece of the rock, right? And it says, Look at the, the bold. Ain Havdel, there is no difference, they're fresh and no separation or distinction. between the soul, and Hashem, Shemo, Rak, 
Hu HaKol, Hashem is the all. And you are a part of the all. Right? You are a part of the all. And it's so interesting to notice that the word alone, right? Put in an L there and it's all one. Alone versus all one. You will never feel alone when you know that it's all one. And there's only one self, one soul, one reality, one God, and we are all part of that oneity. So he says, a kolel or hagadol, a built sof, a built tachlit, the soul, you are a soul, you are a part of that light, you are a spark that has, has been a part of this great light, blessed be he. So what is it that, the message here, you want to feel good about yourself, right? You need to feel, you have a mitzvah to feel good about it. We need you to feel good about yourself. You have to get to utopia. And you have to be unique. And you owe it to all of us, right? Because when you feel good about yourself, you'll be kinder, you'll be happier, you'll be more helpful, you'll be so much more generous, and you won't be looking for stupid ways and bogus ways to feel good about yourself rather than the true way to feel good about yourself is to realize that you and I are part of oneself, one soul, one Hashem. Thank you very much. So we have some time for questions, which is the part I like the most. So if you would please go to the mic and ask your questions so they can get it recorded and others can hear you. Shalom, what's your name? David. 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 Uh, it's my you, name. You have to get another one. You made, a good, made important points about you love your neighbor, you, you love, have to love yourself. Otherwise, how would you love your neighbor the way you love yourself? Yes. My question is, how do you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might? All right. How do you love God with all your soul, all your might? When you realize, right, if you want to feel Hashem, it's very simple. Just take your pulse. Go ahead. All the doctors. Come on, you're all Jewish. You must be doctors. Right, just take your pulse. Is that you beating your heart? If you're not beating your heart, then who is? Whoever that is, I suggest we stay in good contact because that is Hashem saying, I'm with you. I'm always with you. I am your life. Hashem is your life. Right? Hashem is not just the force of life. Hashem is your life. And every and the life force that is right now flowing through every single one of us, that is the presence of Hashem within us all the time. How can I not love Hashem? Right? How can I not love Hashem? Everything about my life is because I am connected to the life of all life, the soul of all soul. Right? And the more I think that way and talk that way and act that way, the more I will feel that way. And so that's how we love Hashem, by living Hashem. You know, people want to understand God. We're never going to understand God. But you don't need to understand God. You don't need to understand life. You have to live it. We are near here to understand God or Hashem. We're here to live Hashem into the world. And when you live Hashem into the world, which means living goodness into the world, living love into the world, living peace into the world, living compassion into the world, living kindness in the world, living integrity into the world, living justice into the world, how can you not love Hashem? Yeah? It's very, very simple. How many people here love life? Put up your hand. Hmm, very interesting. Okay, how many people here love love? Okay, how many people here love peace? All right, you love God. 
Because who do you think Hashem is? Hashem is love, Hashem is peace, Hashem is truth, Hashem is justice, Hashem is all that and much more than all that. And so the truth is that we all love Hashem, we just didn't know that was Hashem. We thought Hashem was some guy somewhere over there and I haven't really met him and I've been told to love him. Well, I don't know, we'll go out for a beer and I'll see if I can get along with him, right? How am I supposed to love Hashem? You cannot but love Hashem when you realize who Hashem truly is. And Hashem is always with us, never, never not with us, right? By virtue of us breathing this very second, that is Hashem breathing through you this very second. Thank you very much. All right. Please visit myjli.com to learn more about JLI's multiple educational offerings and toracafe.com to view highlights and lectures from past retreats.